Here we go. This is the last week of our seated series. We're going to end with a bang. I need you to stand up. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. That was the shortest introduction ever, and some of you are like, finally. He finally figured it out. I don't know. I have a personal challenge, so making sure I get it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We've read this each week. Um, we're going to read it again. I just want to make sure that it's sinking down into our hearts and our souls. Paul writes this in verse 1. As for you, who? Yeah, me. As for you, Paul, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, there are buts in the Bible, big buts. This is one of them. It's so good. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. I just want to just drop this in here before we read our next verse. We've heard a lot of these things our whole lives. If you've been in church, you've heard these verses. And if you're like me, you can start to tune them out. Yeah, I've heard this. He's going to read that verse about, like, you know, we're saved by grace, not by blah, 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 blah. But it's so good. It's so good. And here's our key verse for this series, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that, so that, hey, people reading the Bible, this is the reason he did it. In the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That's a lot of words talking about your testimony. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God, this is your time. We just want to take some, some minutes, God, and look at this passage and bring this whole teaching to a conclusion. That doesn't end, but launches us into what you've prepared for us to do. So help me as I speak and help people as they listen. And refresh the people who feel like they need to sleep. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, you can be seated. Just a very quick recap. Um, we've had three weeks of this series, and here's what we talked about. Where we sit matters. The reason where we sit matters is because it determines, number one, we talked about our identity. We are shaped by what we hear. So if we're seated with Christ, we hear what he says. We hear what he prays. It's important to be around people that say positive, good things, right? Don't mean we like everything they say, but that they don't, they're not always negative. Man, how many of you are around negative people all the time? Do not point to the person next to you. It's a drag, right? Nobody wakes up and says, today, God, please let me cross paths with unhappy people. We want to be around people that are filled with life and joy and hope 
and faith, even if their life isn't full of joy and hope and faith, right? Like we want to be around people that speak those words. So our identity is shaped by what we hear. Last week we talked about where we sit determines our destiny because we are led by and to what we see. And I, I, we're going to figure out a way, and maybe some of y'all are smart enough to do this. Um, we don't package a lot of our sermon series. Like some, some preachers do that. Like they make, they used to do cassettes and then CDs. And I, I don't know what we do now. That's why somebody's going to help us figure that out. But this is one we're going to put together. And because this needs to be accessible. Like, y'all, we need to continue, not because I'm a great preacher, but because we need to live in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We need to understand our identity, our destiny, and today we're going to talk about our activity. We've got to know these things. We are led by what we see. Last week we talked about two things, right? We talked about the difference between, like, perspective. We, perspective comes from what we see, but focus comes from what we look at. And then today we're going to talk about our activity. Where we sit determines our activity. We do what we were made to do. So, I'll give you the big idea first. This is that thing that if you don't remember anything else I say and you remember this, you'll be good. Okay? And some of you all that are new here, this is the way it works at the gathering. I'll tell you, this is what you should remember. And you'll be like, that's really good. And they'll turn to the person next to you and say, that was really good. Why does he talk more after that? Because <laughs> I can. And because the word is rich. So here's your big idea. Jesus is the difference between dead works and destined works. Okay? So let's just unpack that. Here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. We're going to talk about dead works. We're going to talk about destined works. And we're going to talk about the difference. And then I'm going to show you a, a clip from The Chosen which I just love. And if a picture's worth a thousand words, how many words is a video worth? I don't know. Millions, and I'm going to say the millions first, and then we're going to watch the video. Jax is like, seriously, is he going to do that? Yes. Let's talk about dead works. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. Verses 1, 2, and 3 describe dead works. And what you'll notice is like they're dead, but they're still doing stuff. Did you see that? It's like, we're dead, and yet we also used to live in these certain ways. So death doesn't mean not moving. It doesn't mean not living. Death literally means separated or cut off from God. It's how all of us were before Jesus. Any works that are done in this condition, the Bible would consider dead works. So if you're cut off from God and you're doing stuff, that's a dead work. What if it's good stuff? Dead work. The people in this life will appreciate you if you're nice, but it's still a dead work as far as God's concerned. Because you're dead. Any works done by us to get out of that condition would also be considered dead works. But, but God, I'm trying, right? And yay. I don't, know if, I don't know if God golf claps us. I don't think he like shames us, but... I think it's like, that's great. You're trying, but that's not the point. The point isn't to try. The point is to live. 
and you're dead. Here's the problem. The problem is that often dead works look like good works done for the wrong reason. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. These verses are the most haunting verses in the Bible. If you are a church person who believes you're following Jesus, these should scare us. Jesus is talking and he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, if I ask you right now, we don't have time for this, if I passed a piece of paper around and said, just on this piece of paper, everybody write down what the will of the Father is. I don't know what you would write, but maybe you would write some of the things that we're going to read about in verse 22. Many of you, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. God, did, did, you, did you not, did we not, like, just have an amazing altar service at the end of worship? Did we not respond when Paul said respond? Did we not do all these things? And Jesus says, I will tell them plainly. <laughs> Some of you are like, I never really understand what God's saying. You will this one. Because he will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Just make sure that this is setting in. What is the will of the Father? Let's talk about what it's not. It's not religious activity. Because they did that. It's not all the things that we just read. God's will is not activity. God's will is that we would look to, believe in, and be saved by Jesus Christ. John chapter 6, verse 40. I love verses that are plain. Don't you? For my Father's will is. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Like, everybody says, like, what is God's will for my life? You just say, turn to John chapter 6, verse 40, and Jesus starts the verse with some really cryptic language. He says, for my Father's will is. Thank you, Jesus. Like, we just have to read this verse, and we know what it is. And here's what it is, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. What is God's will? That you would look to Jesus and believe in Jesus. Period. So these men, these women that were like, but we prophesied in your name and we drove out demons in your name and we did all these other miracles in your name. Jesus said, I know, but you forgot John 6, 40. I'm not sure that while you were busy doing all that stuff for me that you ever even looked at me. I'm not sure that you ever believed in me because we didn't have a relationship and you have to have a relationship to put faith in something. You have a relationship right now with the chair that you're sitting in. It's a weird relationship, but you have one. You have placed yourself in the chair. You have done something about it. If you've ever stood at an altar and exchanged vows, you're in a relationship based on faith. And I hope you're getting to know each other. (laughs) Sometimes I talk to people and they're getting to know their spouse too well. Help me, Paul, right? Religious activity, and I'm going to explain what religious means to me. Religious activity without relational intimacy is a dead 
work, no matter how good the works are. Saving knowledge is relational, not just rational. Oh, that was good. I'm going to say it one more time and give you a chance to write that down. Saving knowledge is relational, not just rational. And this is such a big deal, y'all. Don't miss this. We, Pastor Tori especially, like we, we really want to see God raise up a deliverance ministry here. Some of you are like, oh, God, I already thought it was weird. It's going to get weirder. <laughs> Brandy. Wave to me. What just happened here? That's called deliverance. <laughs> Some of you are like, but her head didn't turn around. I know. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> but check this. How important is relation? How important is relation? It's so important that Jesus called prophecy, deliverance, and miraculous works evil. Some of y'all, are y'all are you okay? Mark, is Mark good? He's like, this is never going to be over at 1045. It's going to, I promise. I promise. I, I made it, we've, we've got a thing. We got a thing. I said, I, he gave me a challenge. I'm going to do it. I just want to make sure you get this. Verse 23, Matthew 7, 23, then I, Jesus, will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. What did they just tell him that they did? Prophesied, drove out demons, did miracles. In his name, and he called that evil. So just to make sure we're on the same page. Being able to do that stuff, that doesn't get you a leadership position at the gathering. Because Jesus values the relationship more than what you're doing. We have said this from day one. We have not been the best at living it out, but we try. We value who you are more than what you do. Your identity has to come first. Activity has to flow from identity. Too many people are trying to find their identity in their activity. And it will kill you. And these people in Matthew 7 trying to identify with Jesus by what they did. And Jesus said, you missed the point. Like, I'm so thankful that these people were ministered to, but I never knew you. So you're an evildoer. Dead works. Just to bring this home a little bit more in case we haven't gotten there. When we try to find our identity through our activity, we run the risk of trying to earn God's favor or prove our worth. I know some of you are like, that was a long sentence. I don't know if I can say amen to that yet, so let me give you some examples. If I said, God loves me when, and let you fill in the blank. If you put anything in the blank, you struggle with this concept. God loves me when I don't break my Bible reading streak. Well, then I'm in trouble, y'all, right? How about this one? Fill in the blank. Good Christians blank. You see how subtle this is? How it seeps into everything that we, we talked about this yesterday. I mean, we're not immune to this. Like we were saying, I've actually got a sermon, I preached it here a long time ago called, um, well, I don't know what it's called, but it's about David buying the threshing floor. 
And we talk about how David wanted to do all these great things for God. And he's like, I've given you my whole life. I've served you with all that I have. I've done everything I knew to do. And this is my reward. You ever feel like that? I say this lovingly, tenderly, as somebody who feels the pain because I'm in the same walk you are. If you've ever felt that way, you need to be set free from dead works. Because dead works aren't only done by people that don't love Jesus. Sometimes dead works are done by people who are following Jesus. If I came here, this, if I get in a car this morning and think God loves me more because I came to the front and sang my heart out and didn't stay in my seat, I'm struggling with dead works. He loves me regardless. Let's talk about destined works. You, do you get the concept of dead works? Are y'all okay? I feel like we're having like this mass discussion. Like, do we need to keep talking about that? Are you good? Let's talk about destined works. And this is why this is important. I don't know if you've noticed this over the three weeks that we've read it, but we started, we start Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, dead. And we end Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, doing. So this entire thing about being seated with Christ is moving us from being dead to doing. Right? So let's talk about destined works. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, the last few verses. Um, oh, holy cow, I don't have those. Let me, hold on, let me look up. Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 13. This is the part of the sermon where you talk amongst yourselves. About how the cowboys are going to lose today. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Cecil said, that's a dead work. <laughs> You're right. And he, he himself, Ephesians chapter 4, 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for watching them do it. Now, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. The point of our salvation is that he's preparing us to do things and the reason why people get all jacked up is because we just talked about how if you do things for the wrong reason it's a dead work and so how do I know if I'm doing it for the right reason we're destined to do works destined works flow from identity they flow from knowing who we are because until we know who we are we can't know what to do let me give you a practical example from the life of Jesus John chapter 13 Verses 3 through 4. Jesus knew. Listen to this in verse 3, how much Jesus knew. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. That sounds a lot like identity. He knew that he had come from God and was returning to God. That sounds a lot like destiny, doesn't it? So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. The point here is that verse 3 fuels verse 4. Because he knew who he was and he knew why he was here, he was able to then go and do. He was able to serve his disciples by washing their feet in this story. He was able to actually, if you're reading along in John 13 during the fast, isn't it amazing that he served Judas' communion? He served the person who was going to betray him. He also served Peter who was going to deny him. And he served all the other, all the other apostles who um, fled like little babies. 
He did that. How? How was he able to do that? Because his activity was being fueled by his identity and his destiny. He knew who he was. He knew why he was here. If Jesus needed that, how much more, y'all, do we have to know who we are? We've got to know our identity. We have to know our destiny. We, those come from being seated with Christ. And when we know those, then he can send us to do what he prepared for us to do. So let's talk about the difference. The difference is it's a one-word answer. It starts with G and ends with Jesus. The difference is I set y'all up and still five of you said it. Jesus. The difference starts in verse 4 with that word that we just love. Like parents tell their kids never to say this word, but it's such a great word. But, right? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in heavenly places in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Here's four things that Jesus did for us. He saved us. He saved us. He says perfect. He saved us. He raised us. He seated us and he displayed us. You're either going to have to watch it again or write those down. He saved us. He raised us. He seated us and he displays us. We start dead, we end doing. And I want to show this clip from The Chosen because it's a perfect illustration of what we're talking about. In this clip, you're going to see one man. His name is Nicodemus, and he's going to be talking to Mary, who Jesus has touched. And I just want you to watch the, the difference between how both of them are trying to figure out the same thing. And then I'll come back up and we'll close it out. And by the way, you guys that are watching on YouTube, Please, YouTube, let them see the whole clip. We'll see. It's you. It's Maria. Philip. No, no, don't be frightened. My name is Nicodemus. I'm, I'm ministering to you, Philip. You're going to answer to that name. I am Mary. Yes, yes. I'm sorry, I wasn't be I'm not here to enforce Jewish law. So how do you know who I am? You really don't remember me at all. I burned incense. I don't remember. It's all a blur. I can't go back into that. No, no, I don't want you to. I can't even imagine. You are healed. That, that much is clear. I just want to understand how it happened. It makes two of us. <laughs> how long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Some one else? 
He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so. Who did this? I don't know his name. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. His time for men? <laughs> he performs miracles and seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I, I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> I have to be home to prepare for Shabbat, as I'm sure you do. So mended you're even hosting Shabbat dinner. It will be nothing like yours, I'm sure of that. But I'm going to try. Shabbat shalom, Nicodemus. Shabbat shalom, Mary. If you just close your eyes, bow your head, just so you can focus on these words, and I'm going to ask you to respond. In that clip, one man, Nicodemus, shows the frustration of trying to figure out how to meet Jesus, but one person, Mary, shows the freedom of trying to walk out life after having met Jesus. Nicodemus is the picture of someone doing a lot of activity in hopes of seeing the Messiah. Mary is the picture of someone doing a lot of activity because she has seen the Messiah. They're both going to do shalom. They're both going to do the, the Sabbath meal, but for very different reasons. What I want you to see is that we talk a lot about religion. Religion does what we just saw in Nicodemus. What they're looking for, what religious people are looking for is not bad because they're looking for Jesus, but they're trying to work their way to him. But what relationship does is what you see in Mary. And she's like, I don't even know the guy's name, but I was one way and now I'm completely different. And the only thing that changed was him. That's relationship. What moves us from dead to doing is Jesus. And this morning, as we wrap up this seated series, I just want you to know when we know who we are, when our identity is secure, when we know what we're called to do, our destiny is seen. We're ready to get busy doing, but not until then. And we are called to do, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We believe this so strongly that I think we're going to take the rest of the year to figure out what are the good works that he's called us to do. But I can tell you what they all have in common. They're all fueled from Jesus. A knowledge 
a relational knowledge of Jesus, not a head knowledge of Jesus. Because until we know who we are and what we're called to do, activity will only frustrate us. It will only drain us. The response this morning is simple. Some in the room may actually need to get saved. You might this morning have realized, oh my goodness, I'm doing a lot of religious stuff. I'm doing a lot of activity, but I'm just trying to earn God, get to God. And I don't know if I've ever met him. The God who did all the work for me so that I could have a relationship with him. And I'm, I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning to receive Christ for the first time. If you've been in church your whole life and it's all been based on what you do, and you have great services at church when you've had a good week, and church is terrible when you've had a bad week, then you may not know Jesus because he doesn't evaluate you that way. It's all about what he's done at the cross. You may be in this room, and I'm, we don't hide from this. Ministry is hard. People can be draining. Yes, when you minister to your neighbor, it can be a struggle. I'm telling you, if you've gotten to a place where you are just like worn out, burned out, tired, like what am I doing? Can I just tell you that you may have gotten out of the seat? You may not be seated with Christ. You may have become the person who does a lot of stuff to try to earn things from him and get back to where you were. And he just wants you free in him. So I'm going to ask you this morning to respond to that. You need Jesus for the first time as your Savior. Or maybe you've been following him for a long time and you're just like, like what I said to Wendy and Sydney the first time I watched The Chosen. And we were in a really dry, barren place. And I, and just make sure I make this clear, The Chosen is a portrayal of the Gospels. It's not like we don't need to watch The Chosen and never read the Bible, right? But I remember turning to them, I turned to Sydney, and I said, you know what? I would follow that Jesus. Well, I am following that Jesus, y'all. We are. And maybe you need to be reminded of that and refreshed about that this morning. So just where you are, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Like, yes, I need to respond. I need Jesus to be the fuel of my activity. And I'm just going to end up, we're going to pray. Thank you so much. Anybody else? You're not going to stand up. Just raise your hands. We're just going to pray. We're going to pray. Thank you. Yeah. So, God, this morning we just close like that. I pray, God, that you would identify in us your spirit. That we would be firmly seated with you. That as we hear you talk and pray about us, we would hear you praying things like, God, help them to know me more. Not to do more stuff for me, but just to know me more. And that at the end of it all, you would be able to look at us and say, yeah, I, I know this one. I pray that, God, relationship would become so strong that when we sit in the morning or late at night, whenever our time is that we hang out with you and we're drinking coffee, tea, whatever, I pray that we would feel so close to you. Not an emotional feeling necessarily, but that we would just know, man, I'm seated with Christ. He's here with me. I'm with him. 
And it would, man, it would change our identity. I pray that we would have in us the same thing that Jesus had in him, that when he knew who he was and why he was here, he was able to give himself away. And I pray that we would have that same level of identity. And God, full circle back to how you ministered this morning, that the reason we don't have to fear bad news when we're righteous is because we're righteous because of Jesus. And when we're with you in relationship, we know that whatever comes next, we're going to be with you in relationship. And that makes all the difference. I was one way and now I'm completely different. And the only thing that changed in the middle was him. Mark us as those people, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.